you can join the fight to defend employee-funded and association PACs by texting NABPAC to 52886. Message and data rates may apply. Welcome back to the Facts About PACs podcast. I'm Adam Belmar sitting in for Michaela Isler this week. It's mid-August 2021 in the United States Senate proved this week that summer vacation is still a compelling deadline for action on Capitol Hill. The $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill passed the Senate with 69 votes. And as promised, the long-awaited budget resolution right on its heels. Who says that things don't happen in Washington, D.C. in August? Well, today we have a great podcast for you. We're going to discuss the very important topic of professional development in the PAC space. PAC managers have remarkable skill sets, and their diversity of experience makes them prime for future roles as business leaders. Joining me to dig in on the topic of talent, opportunity, and growth potential are two great Americans and NABPAC stalwarts, Amy Adams and David Schild. Welcome back to the podcast, you two. Fun to be back. Excited to be here. Well, all right, all right, all right. Before we get going, Michaela Isler is not with us, but she left us a little something to help handle some of that important housekeeping. So Michaela, if you please. The Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. In every episode, we recap the week's NAP activities, share actionable intelligence and best practices, all while connecting the PAC community. And today's episode is brought to you by Access Marketing Services. From design to podcasts, from infographics to digital, work with the team that leading PACs and government affairs programs call when they need results. Access Marketing Services. Thanks, Michaela. It's great to have this opportunity on the Facts About PACs podcast to talk with David and Amy and really focus on the unicorn nature of the PAC manager role and the pros who do the job. David, is there any other role on a government affairs team that exposes the practitioner to as much business development, compliance, and communications work? I don't think so. Uh, And I love the use of the term um, unicorn. I think that's very appropriate. You know, you're talking about a role that sits at the intersection of so many important functions. Uh, Washington offices obviously are heavily populated by your advocacy professionals, the lobbyists, the folks who are going out to make the arguments directly with policymakers. But as we've discussed previously on this podcast, that's just not a job that's going to be done as effectively if you don't have a tool like a political action committee, an employee funded political action committee at your back. I think if you're a PAC manager, a PAC director, you absolutely are bringing together so many different skill sets. And the key is not to think of yourself as someone who necessarily has a career in PAC management, but someone who is getting very experienced at so many different disciplines that you're ready when the time comes in your career to move on to business development, strategy, communications, advocacy directly, if that's what your preference happens to be. But I think between Amy and I, we have so many anecdotes of folks who are currently running a Washington office, serving in a communications role, a strategy role, even in the legal department, have gone out to a business unit, a production facility, because they started out impressing the right people. And we should touch on that in greater depth at some point in their role as a, as a PAC director. So whereas you might feel isolated, hey, I'm the only one doing this job at my organization, I think you should look at it absolutely as I am the only person who's getting multidisciplinary exposure 
And that kind of professional development is very hard to find. Yeah. And, you know, working with NABPAC through the PacHealth hotline too, I'm obviously exposed to numbers of PAC directors and I'm constantly impressed with the breadth and depth of the knowledge base that you gain by being a PAC director. I started my career out in the nonprofit space and Back in that day, I thought that the business world had it all made because they had all the money to do all the things that I wanted to be able to do at a nonprofit. And and, But I did feel like I learned a lot at a nonprofit because if there was a job to be done, I had to do it. Well, I think PAC directors in many ways are very much in the same situation. Oftentimes, PACs don't get the budgets that other programs might get, maybe a marketing department gets, but they're still being asked to raise a million dollars in a cycle or a year, or even a couple hundred thousand dollars. But these are usually typically fundraising professionals who do this, but that's just the tip of the iceberg of what it takes to run a pack. You have to be able to be good at organizational development, to have a strong pack board and to make sure that they're engaged and moving in the direction that's helpful to the program. You have to be able to do compliance. You have to have some understanding of the concepts of legal terms and where you need to ask for more help and not you have to be a strategist in order to put together a plan every day. There's so much that goes into it. You have to be a marketing professional that I am constantly amazed at the level of professional that gets into this space and and yet also surprised by how few of of them actually understand how really qualified they are and how broad their background is. I I often have to tell them that. Yeah. In some ways, it's kind of a business boot camp. We've been talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion at NAPAC for well over a year. And this is a great place for people who are coming into the business community or moving up to come through. But part of the discussion, David and Amy, that we're having right now is when you are ready to to move on, you have to be able to define the skill set you've developed as a pack manager, and it really does prepare you. I want to go back to something that we say all the time and try and unpack it because it's as important on the way out as it was on the way in. You are running a small business if you're a pack manager. It's very much like campaigns. You start with nothing. You build the war chest. You've got to spend it down and you've got to make sure that it's healthy and compliant. And that is a cycle that just runs and runs and runs. David, you have been there. If it's not a two-way communication, if you're not thinking about all the segmentation that any startup or small business would have, well, there's no one else backing you up. Yeah. I think that what happens is, is that people sort of self-corral by use of the F word, which is fundraiser, right? You are somebody who simply is raising money and that is absolutely short selling yourself. I think that if you look at the disciplines that are out there within any large organization, communications is the obvious one, right? And that's where I made a transition from PAC director to communications professional. There's no way if you're running a a political action committee that you are not doing what we would call internal communications, external communications, organizational communications. You are doing all of the stuff that a, a comms team would be doing inside a major organization but we're not laying the same kind of labels across that work. So people might not think of themselves as professional communicators. If you are handling compliance, there's a good chance that you are overlapping with what would be done in a general counsel's office or by a compliance professional. That is a unique and valuable skill set and give yourself the credit that you're prepared to do that kind of work. You talk about market research, you talk about strategic planning, certainly investor relations. There's another one here, which is sort of crisis communications. 
Was this a year when PAC directors found themselves in crisis, Amy? What do you think? Oh, yeah. And actually, I was just going to say that, David, as you were talking about all the various roles of communications, I was on a program today about crisis communications, and it very much occurred to me that most PAC directors I know learned a really healthy lesson in crisis communications this year and are probably better qualified now to head into the next crisis with the experience that we gained through that. I mean, you were even talking to, I mean, sales is another place, right? Well, you have to work with folks across the entire company. You've developed the ability to segment your message so that you can appeal to people of various verticals. I think you could take that as sales as well. And as somebody who is a PAC consultant and helps organizations raise money for their PACs, I don't describe myself as a fundraiser. I never have. I describe myself as a strategist and a communicator. That's the biggest job that I feel like I do with my clients. And I think for the average PAC director, it's the biggest job they do as well. You're managing up because <laughs> you're managing your boss. You're managing your board. You're managing um, your vendors. You're managing people who might work for you if you have a team or even just informal advisory committee that you have within your organization that helps you get things done through the PAC. There's just quite a bit that you can pull on. I can talk about this in a minute, but I work with people to help them see this and how to talk about putting this down in their resume and capturing it so that they can describe themselves better for future positions. That is exactly where I was hoping we would go. Our audience is very much centered around PAC managers and the folks who are in this space, NAPAC membership. But there are also a lot of other people in the Washington office who are part of the government affairs team who appreciate the PAC, but don't fully understand the role that a PAC manager plays. And so if we're giving you information that helps you better understand the opportunities that exist there and the value that you have in the people who are occupying that space in your team, that's an eye opener. The Association for Business Political Action committees is a very collaborative environment. We have seen so many people share hard lessons learned, difficult outcomes that they wish had been better, but selflessly sharing quietly with their colleagues. How did we get that wrong? Or what did we miss? Or how did we do it a little bit better? And Amy, you're really talking about managing all kinds of different teams. And David, you're talking about organizational communication. I go back to this idea that you just don't get that diversity of experience in almost any other job. We're all really siloed, David. This one, this one brings the whole kit and caboodle. Uh, that's absolutely right. And there's another thing that's important. If you're listening to this and you're a first year, fifth year, 10th year PAC director, in addition to the various professional disciplines that you have to get schooled up on, you have to get good at, you need to recognize the unique exposure that this role gives you within your organization. I don't know too many other professions in Washington where you're going to have regular communications with the CEO the board of directors, the head of the Washington office. And how many people in DC will tell you a story about, I got this opportunity because I impressed so-and-so, right? My boss's boss saw me do this and realized that perhaps I had more potential. I could realize something beyond my current role. So I think we take for granted impact management that, yeah, the board of directors is going to be read in on what I'm doing. The CEO is going to be aware of who I am. I was so fortunate to be in these enormous organizations, right? Over 100,000 people in many cases. And I was talking to the senior leadership team of the company on a regular basis. And I had to have folks more mature in their, in their careers tell me, do you understand how unique this is? Do you understand how valuable this is? You're impressing the kind of people that can make game-changing decisions in your career. And I would look around at the people at your briefing, uh, your PAC board, your boss, your boss's boss, and say, 
am I really leveraging the opportunities here to impress people who are going to send the ladder down, right? Open doors for me at some point when I need them open. Yeah. And I think it starts with changing your mindset. And hopefully this is where we're helping you think about it a little bit here today. Oftentimes when folks send me their resume and ask me to take a look at it and say, you know, how do I describe my job? Have I done it accurately? What I see folks doing is focusing on the specifics that they raised this much money or they filed this many reports. And where I'm often coaching them is in backing up and talking about the skills that they've developed while they're in the position. And then you can use some of those things as examples of how you applied those skills, but that the better way to do it rather than focusing on the details is to back up and focus on what skills do you bring? And I think that that's a really, if you can start switching your mindset, that would be the first thing I would do. You know, if, if, if you're a person who's listening to this and is wanting to think about your next position, sit down with a piece of paper right now and say, okay, I've just listened to this podcast. Here are all of the different ways that I, I've heard that I'm actually contributing to my organization and really define those for yourself. Figure out which ones you've done, which ones maybe that you need to expand upon within your role to get to the next place that you want to be. But you really need to back up and say, I'm an effective leader. I'm an effective communicator. I'm an effective this. And then you can use the details as an example. You are listening to the facts about PACs podcast and we are in conversation with Amy Adams, president of Dunn Associates and David Schild, founder and managing director of Three River Strategies, two folks who are deeply knowledgeable on PACs, in PACs, within NABPAC. And I want to reframe this discussion for just a minute. Here at the Facts About PACs, we are in conversation nearly every week with leaders in our community. And one of the things that I have been so impressed with that I really want both of you to comment on is when I talk to PAC managers, not only are they effective fundraisers, but they are definitely steeped in the messaging and the policy that is being advocated for by their enterprise. They are not a maitre d' who can show you where your table is. They know the menu. They know how it's prepared. They're deeply invested in the success of the entire organization, and they're truly well-rounded, substantive humans. That's what makes pack managers on a resume something that gives everybody a chance to sit up and say, that person has been there and done that, David. Yeah, absolutely. And there's two other terms or skill sets, if you will, that I think sort of fall into the uh, LinkedIn optimization category, right? The things that you want prospective employers, your next boss to see on your resume. And they are, I think, one risk mitigation, right? A term uh, my boss always used to use was how mature is your risk lens? Certainly, if you are running a political action committee, you're at the center of, let's, let's be candid, a risky enterprise, there are ways that things can go south, as we've seen in the last six to seven months. And being able to say, look, I can identify risk, I can mitigate against risk, that is something that's very important. And the other thing is just strategic advice and counsel. There are so many people out there who are trading on the fact that they have been a trusted voice for the CEO, for the chairman of the board, for any number of other leaders. And really, if you're doing your job correctly, the head of the Washington office, the lobbyist should be looking at you and saying, what should we be doing here? What makes sense? And proactively, you should be going out and saying, hey, this lane could steer us into some, some choppy waters. I suggest this course of action as well. But if you can position yourself as, again, you know, a trusted voice, a trusted counselor, that's another thing you see jumping off the page of successful folks when they talk about what their skill set is. 
I think the other thing too, to remember, if you're a pack director, you're a tough cookie. You have signed up for a job where you're not going to make anybody happy. There's going to be half of your organizational membership, whether it's your employees or your members who think you give too much money to one party or another. You're going to be taking flack from 360 degrees. And yet you're still, as David said, you're there and you're committed to the organization, or I guess, Adam, you said it, committed to the organization, committed to the benefit, because you know that this running this program really does have long lasting benefits to the future health of your organization. And so, you know, remember that, remember that you are somebody who can handle tough situations, who can handle high pressure, who can handle criticism and continue to do a really successful job. And it's something to be said for the fact that PACs continue to raise more and more money every year. That's a trend that keeps going on from the same audiences. And that is not an easy thing to do over and over and over again. And if you've been able to do that, I don't think there's a job you can't do. Amy's genius, as usual, reminds me of another point. I think we have to leave listeners with, which is one of the great things about this job is you have real numbers. You have real numbers behind what you do. How often in Washington is it difficult for somebody to define their successes and failures, right? When a bill passes, we all take credit for it. When it fails, it's somebody else's fault. In this role, you have real metrics. You can put together that PowerPoint slide that says, I grew membership year over year by this percentage. Revenue increased by this amount. I garnered this many new contributors. We expanded our giving by X percentage. We were among the top 50, the top 25 PACs in America. How challenging is it for people in Washington to put real numbers behind what they do? That's not a problem if you're a PAC director. I love all of this and 52 episodes into the number one PAC podcast in America. We have spent so much time talking about the transparency and accountability of employee funded and business trade association PACs. The FEC is the arbiter. State governments have very strict rules that are disparate across state lines, and you've got to adhere to all of them. And that is another tale of the tape. So you have enormous metrics that are provable, demonstrable for internal stakeholders about success than trends. You've got the press with every bit of information about what you've done and where it's gone and what you're about. And everybody is holding your feet to the fire when you're a pack manager. That's why this podcast is successful because it takes an entire group of people to understand the role that a pack plays and make sure that it's successful. And that is a risky enterprise. I want to ask you, Amy Adams, you are the human at the other end of the NAPAC help hotline. That doesn't mean that people are calling it a crisis. It means they need advice. It means I want to get a gut check or a best practice. How often do you hear from people as they are making that transition to that next step beyond the pack? Is that something that you have counseled folks with recently? Oh, all the time. All the time. And not just folks who are looking to move on to their next position, but also um, government affairs directors who are looking to maybe hire their next PAC director or to to promote their PAC director. There's been a number of times where a government affairs director has called me up and said, hey, I want to either promote my, my PAC director to a different role, or I'm looking for a title change. How, what are some other ways that I could help think about that, you know, that you can help me think about this? And so we really, we talk about this quite a bit and I'm, I'm always happy to look at somebody's resume, to talk through, um, you know, confidentially talk through thoughts about, you know, 
where they want to move next and to help put them in touch with others who have done it before them. So David Schultz, you are the principal at Three River Strategies. I assume that some of the counsel that you are giving government affairs teams of your clients really resonates with the kind of counsel that Amy is giving to her clients. Is that right? Yeah. I can't tell you how many lessons I learned sort of sitting behind the PAC director desk. And that's something, if, if you, again, if you're listening to this podcast and you're in year one, year five, year 10, whatever it might be, you know, I would keep that folder in your desk of the things that you're picking up on, your list of achievements, the things that you have garnered as a, as a PAC director, because they're going to come back to serve you well later in your career, right? Uh, today, when somebody says, hey, we're facing this crisis, I always have something informed by a crisis that I faced as a PAC director. When somebody says, hey, we have to build a team, we have to manage a campaign, I always have a story, multiple stories about campaigns that I had to manage, teams that I had to build and grow and lead as a pack director. And so, you know, just if you're sitting there wondering, like, what am I going to do with this knowledge? It's so specific later in my career. The experiences that you're having doing all of these various disciplines we talked about, they are going to advantage people when you move from the mentee to the mentor position in your career. You are going to have things, real world examples that you're learning on the job every day. So, you know, keep that journal up to date. Okay. As we start to bring this episode 52 in for a landing, I want everybody listening to understand that no matter what your organization is, the following is almost invariably true. Everyone is looking for the right person to take the pen. Writing original narrative content is always a challenge. And pack managers tend to be really strong communicators. Amy Adams, you're one of the best writers that I know. You are a great contributor to NABPAC. When you think about your style of writing and what you see from pack managers, is that another way that they distinguish themselves because they're forced to do it so regularly? Absolutely. And what I think is the most interesting is that most pack managers tell me that they don't know how to write and that they're not good writers. And they'll tell me that in confidence. I, I, I need help. I don't know how to write. And yet what I see when they share their documents with me and their copy with me is well-written documents, well-articulated arguments over and over and over again. Um, I'm glad you brought up communicating because I think it's an art that's that is becoming lost. I have teenage children. And so I see how they communicate and see how they write. And sometimes it makes me cringe. Um, but, you know, there are being able to do that gives you a leg up. And if you don't feel confident with your ability to communicate in this way, there are tons of colleges and universities in the DC area where you can take an extension course or wherever you're located. Take a writing class, there are business writing classes, there's grammar classes. There, you know why? If nothing else, you may walk out of there and say, wow, I didn't really learn anything new, but you will walk out with confidence that you didn't have before. Because I think that's what's lacking for most people is the confident the confidence in their writing. I'd be the first one to say that if you need something written well and you don't feel like you're in that space, call Amy. There's another discipline here though that so many people are lacking that a pack role is going to introduce into your, your life and your career. And that is public speaking and presentations. I think we take for granted the fact that people can get up in front of an audience and do something which is you know not natural, which induces terror in a lot of folks, which is give a presentation. And let's, let's be frank, ask for money to give to political candidates. You are never facing a receptive audience when that is your ask. And so 
as you're going through the process of, hey, I've got to sell my board on our solicitation and distribution plan for the year. Hey, I'm in a room with 50 people, 500 people, 5,000 people, and I need to solicit their participation in this employee pack. Boy, oh boy, is that an experience that is going to bear fruit down the road in your career. Well, listen, it is great to have this opportunity on this podcast with you, David, and you, Amy, to really focus, again, on the unicorn nature of the pack manager role and the pros who do the job. Amy Adams, president of Dunn Associates and the human on the other end of the NAPPAC Hell Podline, and David Schild, founder, managing director of Three River Strategies. Thank you both so much for helping me carry the facts about PAC's torch while Michaela Isler gets some much-deserved time off. It's been great. Yeah, thanks for having us back. And to everybody downloading and sharing the facts about PAC's podcast, your support has made us the number one PAC podcast in America. Thank you. NABPAC is dedicated to defending the record of employee-funded and business trade association PACs and championing the amazing PAC professionals who lead vital teams. Subscribe. Meet us right back here on the Facts About Packs podcast. 